you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am Art Stapleton, your host, and we have reached the bye week. The New York Giants go in with a little momentum. You know, obviously, big picture. They're three and six. Cowboys at this point are still running away with the NFC East. But perhaps more promise and some hope for a much better second half for the New York Giants with what we've seen over the last three weeks. We'll get into that later. On today's show, outside linebacker rookie Quincy Roche made the big play in Sunday's win over the Raiders, sacking Derek Carr, forcing a fumble that Leonard Williams recovered. And the Giants knee it out, 23-16, a much-needed victory. They're second in three weeks. And all of a sudden, this defense is playing much like it did at the best stretch of last year when they won four games in a row, midway point of the season, and took advantage of a division that was down last year and got to Week 17 with an opportunity to get into the playoffs. Now, whether or not that happens this year remains to be seen. But again, having the opportunity to talk to Quincy Roche, I think you'll enjoy this interview. Uh, We're now on episode 12, so we've done 12 interviews of the Giants. And I have to say, Roche is the one that I probably had to do a little bit more research on as far as his background and his story. If you recall, he got here with the Giants off of waiver claims back in August. The Steelers were trying to slide him onto the practice squad. The Giants were heads up. They saw it, and they took an opportunity and brought a quality rookie into the building, and he's really made paid off dividends and made an impact really the last couple weeks, but especially in Kansas City in a loss, but against the Raiders as well on that final drive. And we joke about his nickname when I bring in Quincy, so we'll get to that next. But first, just a reminder that today's show, as always, is brought to you by Typico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply, 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. So it's been an interesting week for the Giants. They had two days of practice. Joe Judge gave the team off on Monday. Yesterday, Tuesday, is when I did our interview with Quincy Roche. And then today, Wednesday, as I'm finishing up the podcast to post Thursday morning on all your favorite podcast platforms, 
the Giants kind of split the week a little bit and had the veterans do a lot of off the field, away from the team, away from the, the coaches on the field, let them go through treatment, let them do some things uh, on their own, agility-wise, work so, through some walkthrough things. And they had a lot of the young players that were on the field to get more personal attention with the coaches. It was an interesting setup for Joe Judge to have kind of that split squad mentality. You give the veterans a, a little bit of a mental break, a physical break, but then also you get some of these rookies and some of these younger players opportunities with the coaches one-on-one. The idea that you don't have the veterans there kind of overshadowing them. It helps a guy like Aaron Robinson, rookie third-round pick, trying to get his feet wet. He, he's playing catch-up since the spring because of the core muscle injury that he had. He's someone that the Giants really had high hopes for to have an impact probably by October of this season. That did not happen. He stayed on the physically unable to perform list. But now Robinson, the last two weeks, has played. He's got his feet wet on defense. I would expect he's a guy who you're going to see more and more of, and his snap count is going to go up over the next couple weeks. We'll talk more about that. But now let's get to this week's interview with Quincy Roche. Baltimore's finest, and Quincy was nice enough to join me. As I joked, welcome to our podcast studio on the patio at the Giants facility. Again, as always, we work with what we have. We apologize in advance for the planes overhead and some of the audio that might not be as perfect as it would be if we weren't dealing with COVID restrictions at the Giants facility. Perhaps at a later date, we'll be able to get inside and be in a situation where we can record the interview uh, together in person. Last week, we did James Bradbury via Zoom audio, so the audio was a little better, but it's always great to have that personal connection. So it was great to meet Quincy Roche for the second time in person. I interviewed him two weeks ago for a story that I had been building up to write, so this was the perfect opportunity. Quincy Roche, Hero from Sunday. All right, joining me now, maybe he earned a nickname on Sunday, perhaps the closer. Giants rookie Quincy Roche. Quincy, thanks for joining me, and uh, welcome to our elaborate podcast studio. Planes overhead, patio, practice fields. You I know, like the setup. It sounds different. <laughs> well, thank you very much. So, so take me inside the huddle on the Raiders' last drive on Sunday. You've been going against Colton Miller, their left tackle, all game long, sizing him up. What's the thought process when the game on the line when that series begins? Uh, when you play like that. I'm pretty sure every pass rush on the team is thinking you got to get there um, so we can help the team get this quarterback down. Um, you know, obviously the strip sack is, is better than just getting the quarterback down. Um, so I, everybody on the D line, I'm pretty sure is thinking we got to get down. Now you guys use a lot of different packages, subbing in and out. I I wish I had it written down how many snaps you were on for that series. Were you on and off that series? Were you guys going yeah, back and forth? It was about four or five snaps that I didn't play that series. Um, that series. Um, but for the most part, I was on the field. There was, there was about four or five snaps that I wasn't. So the anticipation on the sideline when you're waiting to get back out there, 
what's the mindset? I mean, you guys are so used to playing that way, but you got to imagine it's almost, you know, that eagerness of trying to get out really, there. I'm really, it's still kind of in the game because I'm still following the flow of the game. I'm still looking at the tackle set. Um, what, are, what are our guys doing against the tackle? Um, I'm still following along. So it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's as if I'm out there. So when you get out there, you don't miss a beat. Uh, let's talk about the play that sealed the game. Like you said, the, the strip sack. Could not pick a better time for your first career sack. What was the mindset? You talked to us a little bit after the game about that. But what are you thinking in that situation? I was just thinking, uh, you know, number one is you know, a really good tackle. Number one. He's been playing pretty well all game. The set was pretty square all game. Very set. But I knew, he, I knew he was worried about the game. Coming, coming from the inside because we, we had given that look before and ran the game. Um, so knowing that he was he was looking for the game, I'm thinking I got to win high and, and turn the corner. And that's, that's, that's exactly right. And then obviously you said, uh, that I actually asked you after the game the idea of did you even realize that the ball was out and if Leo got it, Laura the I crowd did. tells I you? So I, I got back there, I, was, I hit the quarterback, I swatted at the ball. I, I didn't know if it came out or not. You know, the next thing I know, I hear the crowd um, cheering, and that's that's how I knew. It's got to be an exhilarating feeling in that situation, that knowing you knocked it out. So nobody used the closer yet? Closer? No, nah, it been jokes on the locker room, but, you know, that's, that's just guys being the guys. Um, you grew up outside of Baltimore, really in Baltimore, and six months ago you were drafted by the Steelers. Uh, I heard that around draft time after they took you, they sent you a box of terrible towels. Yeah. Because your family and friends were all Ravens fans, right? Yeah, that was interesting for my family. Um, so I take you back, um, being on the phone, hearing my tongue. I knew who it was right away. Um, he has like a distinct voice out of all of the coaches. Um, and my, my mother and father said, oh, so what's team was? What's team was? I was like, and I said the Steelers, and everybody kind of, whoa. <laughs> it went from cheering to like, whoa. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're really supportive, though. Um, you know, my parents, friends, family, um, they're happy no matter what team I went to. Um, just so happened to be the Steelers. Um, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm happy to be a Giant now. I was going to say, you're here with the Giants now. We'll get into that a little bit. But what happened to all those terrible towels? I mean, I don't, I don't own a terrible towel anymore. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a giant all the way through. Um, you know, if, if they come out with a giant towel, you know, I'll come get a box of those. But, you know, I'm a giant through and through. The friend, the the friends and family that were received the towels are now free to oh, do they were, whatever they, they want to do. They were happy to put it down. They were happy to put the terrible towel. Uh, how surprised were you? I know it's all part of the business, but when the Steelers decide to waive you when you got that news. What was that process like, and how did you find out the Giants were claiming you? So, um, you know, obviously, signing up to be a part of this business, you know, you understand the things that comes with it. Um, you know, that's one of the things that comes with being in this business. Um, and so I, I wasn't happy about it, but, you know, I understood that there's things that I had to work on, there's things that I had to get better on. Um, and that's really been my main focus um, here is improving those things. You know, coaches stay on me about it. You know, I'm hard on myself about it. So just improving those things um, to make sure I can uh, find a role and find a place on this team. Do you remember who from the Giants called you to let you know that they were claiming you? Um, I don't remember exactly, but I do remember I was uh, I was walking in to go. I was I was walking into uh, to a sound practice room. Steelers and my agent texted me and he was like, he was like wait don't go in there and so I was like alright and so then I got the call um, 
you know, I was, I was really excited about that. Uh, and I looked at this as, you know, a fresh start, a new opportunity. Uh, every day I try to approach it that way. You know, it's a crazy thing as a rookie to have to do that. I mean, you're one, two, three years. I'm sure guys in this building, guys all across the league have that story of I was here, now I'm there. But to do it as a rookie, you walk in this building, this team has spent three months kind of putting itself together. What was your personality? I know that you're the youngest of seven kids, so you got used yeah. to fitting into different situations. Did that help you in so, those circumstances? So I, I, everything, you know, I've been through um, up, up until this point, um, prepared me for this moment. Um, being in college, I had four different head coaches, um, you know, four different D coordinators. Um, so going through those things at college prepare you for moments like this. Um, you know, so I, I was excited when I um, when I got the opportunity to come out here. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I had this opportunity now. Um, as a rookie, you know, I got to see what the business is like. Um, I got to experience those things. I feel like it's going to make me a more mature player down the line. Um, I'm just thankful. I was hoping, you know, I was doing a lot of research last night on your story, and it goes well beyond just a sack on on Sunday. I wanted to ask you about your brother Tommy, who passed away two years ago after a battle with kidney disease. Obviously, condolences to you and your family. I know Tommy brings you great inspiration, really going back to college when you're getting into the NFL. Talk about him and just what's that like for for a younger sibling to have to deal with something like that and and. What kind of person was it? I mean, he, um, he kind of led good, you to good, good person, good dude. Um, one of the reasons why I was, um, you know, why I play the game the way I do. Um, you know, one of my biggest supporters always. Um, and, and so, um, you know, that was a big hit for me um, and my family. Um, you know, but I try to go out there every day and play, uh, play for him. Um, you know, so I, I know this is one of the things that he that he would have been proud of. Uh, me going to the NFL. It's one of the things we talk about all the time. So. I, I still I still think about him daily, uh, play for him. Uh, yeah. That's great to hear. Well, I'm sure he was there at MetLife uh, with those 40-something seconds left. Yeah. I'm sure he was there with yeah. you. Uh, another personal aspect of you that I didn't know when I came across is that I know you, uh, you struggled with Tourette's Syndrome when you were younger, especially you developed uh, ways to, to deal with it, to live with it. Uh, what was that experience like? And share for some of the listeners who might be dealing with that uh, and not really understanding how to move past it, make it part of your life. Exactly. Um, you know, when I was younger, it's something that I, you know, wasn't comfortable embracing. You know, now I'm, I'm comfortable embracing it, talking about it. Um, you know, um, using my platform um, for, for someone who may be listening. Um, but you know, it, it definitely presented its challenges growing up. Um, but I, I found uh, different techniques to even football. Even football, you know, it's helped me tremendously. Because on the field, you know, I've never had problems on the field. No matter how uh, bad my Tourette's got, you know, on the field, it was always, uh, I was always locked in. I was always able to do my job. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of benefits that come from it. I can talk all day. I don't even know stuff. There's a lot of benefits, I would say, that come from me having Tourette's and being the advantages to all that. What is the biggest thing that helped you? It was it just the fact of just learn, embracing learn it? Learn how to conquer yourself. Learn how to focus. Um, you know, and, and really conquer yourself um, from from within. You know, it, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know self realization. Um, just just being able to conquer yourself. Thanks so much for sharing. I appreciate that. Uh, so I read that 
Ed Reed, Hall of Famer, was one of your mentors when you were at the U. You were only there for a year, but you got the chance to, to meet him. What's the best advice Ed Reed, really one of the biggest characters of the last couple of years uh, in the NFL, last decade and a half, um, what did he share with you that helped you? Um, the biggest thing he told me, um, something I'll never forget, um, was when I was sitting at his desk, uh, me and Derek were sitting at his desk, and uh, don't overthink this whole thing. You know, uh, a lot of people come to the league, and this is his words. You know, this comes from him, not me. But a lot of people come, from, come to the league, um, they overthink who you're playing against, how you're doing it. Um, it's the same game you've been playing your whole life. Um, against the same guys you played against in college. Um, so the biggest thing he told me was don't overthink it. Um, and that's something that stuck with me. I still think about eight to this day. That's helped this transition, I would imagine, right. even more so, right, yeah. as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your hoop dreams. Got some ballers on this team. Yeah. Daniel Jones was, you know, he's got game. He was an AAU yeah. star. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was on this show a couple weeks ago and said he was a combination of Tim Duncan and Shaq. So, t- so tell me about, <laughs> tell me about Quincy Roche basketball star. Yeah, I'd say um, if I had to compare my game to somebody, I'd say a combination of uh, – Hmm. Who would I say? I would say a combination of I would say a, a Draymond Green on the defensive end, um, and, and the way I played with hustle, um, grit. I, I really believed in not taking any fouls home with you. Like, I, I believe in that. I still believe in that. Um, I would say a combination of Draymond Green and on the offensive end, more of like a more of like a. Um, like a Larry Bird in the sense of uh, <laughs> mid-range, mid-range to corner, to, to short corner. Um, that was my game. Mid-range to short corner. I, I'll make all my open shots. That's an interesting combination. Yeah, that is. I said, because my ball handling skills wasn't real good, but it was good enough to where I could get the ball and get I where I needed to go. Last question before we get into the two-minute drill. You guys are on a bye. You chased Patrick Mahomes around in his old building in primetime two weeks ago. Next up, when you guys come back, is going to be Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champs in their building again on Monday Night Football. Have you gotten a pinch yourself moment yet in the NFL? And do you think it comes that night? Um, I think I got all of that out of my system when I got to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm sitting down with Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm like, wow, like you know, I've been watching you play the Ravens like, my whole life. Um, you know, but I kind of had to force myself out of that phase. Um, and I don't really see names, I don't really see faces. Um, preparing for an opponent. Um, obviously, he's a very, very, very talented quarterback. Very, very, very talented team. Um, but you got you got to prepare for them just as you would anybody else. All right, two-minute drill. First football question. Let's build the perfect pass rusher. Just give me a few qualities that you would take if you wanted the perfect pass rusher. Who? What would you take from who? Couple guys. Perfect pass. Oh, be giving names or be giving yeah attributes? names both if you want. So I say I say speed, very elite hands, flexibility, and strength. Is there a guy or two that embody uh, for you? Von Miller. It's like a combination of like a Von Miller. Uh, but like with some Khalil Mack, okay. with some with some with some uh, with some Joey Bosa in there, like a little bit of everything. That'd okay. be the perfect pass. A little bit of Quincy Roche, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, a little bit of Quincy Roche in there too. <laughs> you play in the shadow of New York City. You've only been here for a few months, but you're from Baltimore. Went to college in Philly at Temple, and then spent one year in Miami. So the question for you is: Pick one: crab cakes, cheese steaks, or a Cuban sandwich. Crab cakes. Why? 
it's just it, it, clearly that's the best. That's the best food item on that list. <laughs> so <laughs> especially you, when they come out the uh, Chesapeake Bay. Nice. Uh, so you have one musical artist of any era give you a private show for a group of friend, friends and family. Who would it be? One music artist. Ooh. I say uh, Drake or Jay Z. Okay. Drake or Jay Z. Try to get them both. Yeah, I try to get them. Yeah. You got some Rock Nation guys around here. You know, Andrew Thomas might be able to get uh, Aziz. Aziz, yeah. I think he might put in a good word for yeah, for Aziz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was palling around with Jay-Z a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah superstar. Uh, <laughs> all right, last one. I appreciate your time. Uh, if you were stranded on an island, which two teammates would you want with you and why? Danny. Shelton? Sure, yeah. They why? keep me entertained the whole time. Okay. They keep me Danny and probably Dex. Okay. Make sure, make sure no snakes bite me. Nobody <laughs> pops up. Dex and Danny, for sure. Dex's personality wouldn't yeah. grind on yeah. you on, a, on an no, island? No, I love Dex. I love Dex. Dex and Danny, that's those guys. I think those two, I'd be good. Bradbury, I was on, I had Bradbury last week ask him the same question. He said one of his guys would be Leonard Williams because he'd hunt. Yeah, so I thought that was yeah, kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm sure Dex would hop on a bird or two. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy Roche, thank you for your time. Uh, again, congrats on last week. Enjoy the bye and get back at it next week in Tampa. I appreciate it. And a special thanks to Quincy Roche for joining me. And I have to admit, I appreciated his candor, uh, not only about the passing of his brother, but also dealing with Tourette syndrome. Uh, I think, at least my hope, and as I said to Quincy, that there are people who are listening to this podcast or know someone who might benefit, uh, receive some inspiration for how Quincy has dealt with uh, the disorder and the idea that you could still get to this level of a team sport uh, and deal with what he dealt with emotionally from you know an early age to work on techniques to be able to deal with you know the fear and uh, you know the just sensitivity of the situation i think quincy is really a, a special player at this point special person to deal with what he had to deal with this season to spend first couple months of his NFL career with the Steelers and then kind of be shocked and a stunning introduction to this business, a sixth-round pick, waived and then claimed by the Giants. And as you said, it's the first I heard that he was walking into the the Steelers' building the facility out there in Pittsburgh and he was going to sign that contract to return to the Steelers practice squad and his agent got in touch with him and said hold on a second your NFL journey is taking a, a detour and the detour landed him here in East Rutherford uh, with the Giants so I've really been impressed with the way Roche has carried himself the last couple weeks and as great of a pass rusher as rookies can be, it's not easy to go on the final drive of a game and close it out with a big sack the way Roche did on Sunday. And I think that's something that the Giants hope that they can carry forward. Aziz Ojolari, rookie, second-round pick. Quincy Roche, a waiver claim of a sixth-round pick. 
to have them as your starting edge guys going into the second half, uh, I think there's a lot more promise there than uh, what the Giants have had in terms of production and uh, what they can look at forward. So now we head into the second half of the season. The Giants, here's the layout. They will have off Thursday through Sunday. They will return to New Jersey for a practice on Monday, then have off Tuesday, and then begin their preparation for Tampa Bay and the Monday night game against Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers next Wednesday. So they get really a full week off. Uh, I believe when they come back on Monday, it'll just kind of be a get back out on the field and work out some of the kinks from being away. Joe Judge obviously sent them away with a message. Uh, don't do anything stupid. Those are my words, but not necessarily his. Uh, but I think the message stands up and the sentiment. Uh, this is the time of year when you're a coach and you're watching your team leave town. You kind of have to give up a little bit of control. Uh, so let's hope the Giants don't go through what other coaches uh, and other franchises in the league have had to go through uh, over you know previous years. And then obviously this year they've had some hiccups along the way in other cities. You hope that the Giants can avoid that and get back into the building next week and start focusing on trying to turn around this 3-6 and six record. Is it realistic that the Giants have an opportunity to steal that seventh seed and sneak in as the final wild card in the NFC? Look, a lot of the good things have had have to happen for the Giants to be able to make this happen. They need to get Andrew Thomas back healthy, Saquon Barkley back healthy, Sterling Shepard back healthy. They need to be able to continue to play the way they are defensively. But other than Tampa Bay, and you want to put Dallas in the mix as well, although the Cowboys coming off their loss on Sunday certainly uh, knocks them down a peg in terms of where they were and rolling for the Super Bowl. The reality is they have six of their eight games that they should be right there at the end and would be quote-unquote winnable games. Now, are the Giants going to go 6-2 and two over the last eight games? Well, I tell you what, if they go 6-2 and two over the last eight games, they're going to the playoffs. I don't believe that is going to happen. You know, they haven't won in Philadelphia since 2013, so that is certainly uh, an obstacle that they'll have to overcome. No matter where the Eagles are, they still have them twice. They have Washington. They play Chicago. Uh, they still have Miami. The Chargers in L.A. are certainly a team. Immense talent offensively, Justin Herbert. But they're a team that can be beaten as well. So I think there are games on this schedule that the Giants can win. How are they going to do it? Well, they need to protect the offensive line a little bit. I think you're going to see them be more aggressive at times, but not just aggressive downfield. But I think they'll look at a situation and you know maybe more trick plays. Maybe they'll need to get chunk plays by faking field goals and you know faking punts and taking some more risk. Uh, and I think this team realizes that they put themselves in a massive hole. And in order to dig out, they have to play a lot better than what they've played over the first nine games of this season. Uh, and will that happen? 
I'm not sure. You want to talk about the future of Dave Gettleman? Should he come back as general manager? You know, look, there are a lot of checks against Dave Gettleman as general manager. Uh, A lot more checks against him than for him. He does have some draft picks that are still playing well. Uh, He needs to get credit for Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney. Uh, You know, Daniel Jones obviously is a huge part of his legacy here. That's Gettleman. Uh, But for the most part, I think the Giants would love to be able to move in another direction uh, organization-wise. They feel like they have people in the front office that they kind of want to hand the baton to. And the only way they can hand that baton off from Gettleman to either Kevin Abrams, Tim McDonald is in the front office, obviously Chris Pettit and what he's done uh, with the scouting portion and the draft, They're all guys who are respected in that front office. And the thing is, if they don't have the results to show this year, it's going to be very hard to hand the baton from Gettleman to one of those guys. I think ultimately they need to turn this thing around in the second half, win games that they're supposed to win. Don't give games away like they did against Washington and Atlanta and Kansas City on prime time. You know, you want to go out and you play well in Tampa Bay. If you have that game and a chance to win, go win it. We see saw crazy things happen in the NFL this week. It can happen again just as quickly. So that's where the Giants are right now. We'll be back with another edition of All In next week. But I think it's time to take a little bit of an exhale have some relief that the Giants are sitting where they are. They haven't accomplished anything yet. They're coming off a win. Maybe this defense is really turning into what it was last season. Patrick Graham has done a good job with the players he has the last couple weeks. It all remains to be seen what can be done in this second half. But I don't believe this season's over by any stretch. There's still a lot to learn. And crazier things have happened in the NFL when a team gets on a run. Maybe the Giants can be that team. So, thanks for tuning in this week. Hope you enjoyed the Quincy Roche interview. And we'll be back next week. As usual, we'll be all in.